When I think of a healthy microbiome, I think of a forest. When I think of these advanced stage cancer patients, I think of a desert, very, very barren. They have limited kinds of bacteria and what's there, they're inflammatory microbes, these cancer-causing microbes. Welcome to Dog Cancer Answers, where we help you help your dog with cancer. Here's your host, James Jacobson. Hello, friends, and welcome. Today's episode may sound a little science fiction, but I promise you it is cool. And we are talking once again about poop, poop for the cure. We are speaking with Dr. Stephanie Culler, who is a PhD, and she studies microbes and how our gut bacteria impacts our immune system and also the immune system for our dogs. And she is looking at ways that you may be able to test your dog for cancer by looking at the poop. It's pretty interesting. Dr. Culler, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. Did I get that right? You can actually look at poop and see what's going on that may impact cancer? Absolutely. That's been our focus in the last four years of our company, Persephone Biosciences, where we've been looking at poop from hundreds of cancer patients nationwide. And, you know, it really goes down to the fact that the bacteria in our gut that make up the gut microbiome are there to promote a healthy immune system to essentially prevent and fight disease. And we find that when they become damaged, they can actually cause cancer and um, more importantly, impact how well a cancer patient responds to treatment. And that's very much our research. We're focused on looking at the gut microbiome through poop. That's the really only way we can do that. Mm -hmm. And then turning that data into new therapeutics. Now, I know that the gut microbiome is the in thing in science circles, right? I have heard people describe it as it's like the great unknown from many, many years ago. Is that the way you view it? Um, absolutely. You know, there's a, a saying that um, I always use from Hippocrates that all disease begins in the gut. And he was around 2000 years ago. So he obviously knew something that it took us a very long time to realize. And, and more and more with this cutting edge frontier, um, I would say new space of science. Every day we hear about a new link about the microbiome impacting a disease and impacting virtually every aspect of our life um, from be actually before we're born and then throughout that. And it, you know, not only is it there to really promote a healthy immune system, but it also plays an important role in extracting nutrients from our diet. So define the microbiome for our listeners. The microbiome are the microbes that line our GI tract and serve to promote normal immune function to prevent and fight disease. It's essentially trillions of bacteria that line our GI tract. Trillions with a T. Trillions, trillions with a T, and sometimes can weigh, weigh several pounds, depending how large of an individual somebody is. And these bacteria are how small? Very, very tiny. They're microscopic. Um, so you can't really see them with the, the naked eye. Okay. So if a heavy person has several pounds of this that sort of equates to the trillions of these things. Yes. Now, are they all of the same 
type or are there a whole bunch of different things like congregating inside of our gut? It's a fantastic question. Um, what we see in the human gut microbiome, about a thousand different kinds of bacteria. And you and I may have the same type of species, but that as we dig further, there are differences at the strain level. So each of us, um, our microbiomes are actually quite unique. Okay. So is it like a thumbprint, a fingerprint? Like there are no two snowflakes that are the same? Absolutely. It's very much a, a fingerprint. And it's a fingerprint, um, unlike our own genetic code, we can't really change our genetic code. Yes, gene therapy is aiming to do that, but we can easily change our gut microbiome. You know, these microbes, we can introduce probiotics. We can take antibiotics that kill them, but we can very much manipulate that. And over our lifetimes, that could be an evolving dynamic fingerprint. And does that fingerprint change on a day-to-day -day basis or is it slower? It's quite slow. We find for healthy individuals, it's very, very stable for years, in fact. But what can change is the impact of diet. So when you change your diet, you can actually be changing your flora and what that flora uh, makes in the gut microbiome. So diet is actually a big lever at changing your microbiome. Okay. So again, we're talking about the human species and we'll get to dogs in a moment because it's kind of fascinating how you are moving from humans to dogs or they're assisting one another. But I think just in terms of really understanding it from our own perspective, you talked about antibiotics because those kill the microbiome. That's not the intention of antibiotics. It's exactly. sort of a byproduct of, of giving antibiotics. And then probiotics are also all the rage. People talk about them. You can find them there are some cheap ones. There are some expensive ones. There's a whole bunch of hype around probiotics. What are your thoughts on probiotics? That's a fantastic question. So I, I spend a lot of time talking about this, in fact, and, and actually talked about it in a TED Talk a few years ago at Salk Institute. We'll put a link to that TED Talk in the show notes from today's episode. Thank you. And where I share a lot more about diet and its impact on the microbiome, but really how we I think about probiotics are bacteria that comes in the form of food, like fermented foods. Those are natural probiotics. What you can go to the supermarket right now or the pharmacy and buy off the shelf, most of those, they're very limited kinds of bacteria, number one. But number two, we don't know about their manufacturing quality. These are under supplements, so there is no real FDA supervision of them. But furthermore, what we see when we look at the microbiome, I mentioned a thousand different species. What's out there commercially, maybe not even existent in our human gut microbiome, may have zero relevance to our gut microbiome, and, and most of it doesn't represent the key important functions. So there's really a whole world to be had here in terms of product development and making new probiotics that actually come from the human gut microbiome. Wow. Okay. So let's tease that apart a bit. So it doesn't sound like you're a big fan of probiotics in general. From fermented foods, I, I think really naturally. So not pills, yeah, but like not from pills. taking kimchi, sauerkraut. Kimchi, kefir, sauerkraut, exactly. Yogurt. Okay. Yeah. Yogurt. Okay. So things that are more natural than a pill, I guess. And in terms of probiotics, a lot of people talk about, well, probiotics are important, but you need to feed those probiotics with prebiotics. Yes. What say you about that, doctor? Absolutely. The prebiotics are so important. And, and a lot of the reason why we see tremendous damage in the microbiome, which actually has a technical term called dysbiosis, that is real. An unhealthy gut is real. We see microbiomes with a lot of 
bacteria that cause inflammation, bacteria that cause cancer. There actually is a directly between specific bacteria and cancer. They produce toxins and even those that we know to be infectious like pathogens. And so it's really important in our diet. We suffer from this in the United States. We don't have enough fiber. Fiber feeds the microbes. They feed the good microbes. Sugar, for example, that feeds the bad ones, that feeds those that cause inflammation, cause cancer. Pathogenic microorganisms love sugar, for example. And so eating a really balanced diet with a lot of vegetables, obviously fruits, but very much vegetables um, and those that are very high in fiber content is absolutely critical towards maintaining gut health. Okay, well, now let's turn this to cancer and then to our four-legged friends. You said that there is some proven connection between dis, what do you call it, dis? Dysbiosis. Dysbiosis and, and cancers. What type of cancers are connected with bad microbiome? Virtually every cancer. We have been profiling hundreds of patients nationwide with a variety of cancers. I think we've looked at upwards of 16 different cancers, mainly solid tumors. And, you know, this what we call dysbiosis, it's, it's a very damaged, inflamed state. When I think of a healthy microbiome, I think of a forest. Mm. When I think of these advanced age cancer patients, I think of a desert, very, very barren. They have limited kinds of bacteria, and what's there are very they're inflammatory microbes, these, these cancer-causing microbes. And, you know, a lot of the reason why they have these very damaged microbiomes are of course, maybe because of cancer, but also because of the types of treatments, you know, receiving chemotherapy, also antibiotics, because a lot of these cancer patients, unfortunately, they're very prone to infections. Their immune system is so weak. And we see that they take several rounds of antibiotics. And over time, they start to lose a lot of their good bacteria and their microbiome ecosystem essentially collapse. The forest goes away and you're left with a desert. And so what we find then in those patients with this damaged microbiome is that they can't really mount a healthy immune response to fight their cancer or even respond effectively to curative drugs like Keytruda. You might have seen some commercials. It's an immunotherapy drug that relies on that patient's own immune system. But if their own immune system doesn't really work that well, they're not going to respond to treatment. And so for us at Persephone, what we're trying to do is repair those damaged microbiomes. We put back the missing bacteria, repair that so it looks like a forest, it acts like a forest. They can have an immune response to then fight their cancer and respond effectively to treatment. And so our therapy is essentially an oral pill that contains the missing gut microbes to you know, really improve response for these patients. Dare I say it's a probiotic? Is it a probiotic? <laughs> well, there are bacteria that have been engineered, and none of the bacteria you can find at Walgreens, for example. Okay, these are so these are really, very new bacteria. Yeah, so it's, it's a really different type, but it is effectively it is a type it of, is. of probiotic. Yes, okay. yes. Okay, I wanted to go back to this whole concept of cancer and unhealthy gut microbiome, and the question is: Is it like which comes first, the chicken or the egg? Because you were saying that maybe the treatments are damaging the biome, or is it the other way around? You know, it's difficult to say. We are looking at, for example, we have a very large study in partnership with Johnson & Johnson 
to look at people who might be at risk for cancer, to look Mm. at their microbiomes. We may be able to start to see how the microbiome impacts and causes cancer, but it's very difficult to catch that. Of course, we want to prevent cancer and we think over time we will, but it's, it's difficult to ascertain chicken versus egg. We do know that treatment has an impact on the microbiome and we understand that the microbiome has an impact on their disease. But for us, we're not really trying to completely unravel that. We're really just trying to understand, well, they get to this state of a very imbalanced, damaged microbiome. What can we do to fix that? And potentially, you know, many years prior, can we start to detect signs that they may get cancer from their microbiome and then develop a therapeutic that can prevent that entirely? Okay, let's turn to our four-legged friends as previously promised. What is the connection and how are you bringing dogs into this? Because you're very much human focused. Obviously, we all have pets. And so we're very passionate about our four-legged friends. And, you know, we, in terms of developing a therapeutic and partnering with the FDA to get our therapeutics into the clinic to treat advanced stage cancer patients, along the way, we need to do animal studies prior to giving them to um, to patients in clinical trials. And so traditionally, you know, in drug development, you use mice. And Mice have very little in common on their microbiomes with us, maybe less than 4%. They're really not a great model organism for us to evaluate our therapeutics Mm. or even the biology of the microbiome, which, you know, is still very, very new in terms of science. And what we've seen from the literature that really caught our eye and something that we've been thinking about for the last few years is how similar man's best friend's microbiome is to ours. You know, they share our environment, they drink our water, they eat our food, they're with us all the time. And their microbiome has about 60% in common with our gut microbiome, Mm. much, much, much higher than, than mice. And in fact, in some of our recent studies, that where we've collected dog poop at the local dog park, you know, upwards of 80% in common with us. So, so quite significant. And for us, we think of this as an opportunity to evaluate our therapeutics and dogs with cancer. The dog immune system is much closer to ours than mice, for example. And so it can be a win-win. Not only the, the therapeutic we develop for humans, you know, we could have a better success rate of treating humans, but we could also come up with a new way to treat dogs with cancer and maybe even ideas on how to prevent it and prevent chronic illnesses through the microbiome. Stephanie, this is fascinating. We're going to take a break, but when we come back, I want to talk about how we can send our poop to you. Thank you. We'll be right back. And now, a message from your dog. Every day with you is like a day at the beach, and I want as many beach days as possible. I want to run and sniff and find a good stick to carry. I want to walk with you, run with you, sleep with you, eat with you. And when I eat with you, I want Everpup. It infuses any food you give me with health and life and vibrancy. I can feel it. It's a strange thing to do, sprinkle this powder on my food, but I wouldn't have it any other way. My time with you is precious and irreplaceable, and I'm thrilled to be with you for as long as possible. Here's to puppy playtime and senior snoozes. (laughs) No matter how old I get, I want my ever pup. 
It just makes me feel good in this life and the next and the next and the next. I am so grateful to be your dog and for the ever pup you give me. So now that you know what your dog wants, get Everpup, the ultimate dog supplement. Everpup is available in select pet shops and on Amazon. But to get the best price possible, join the Everpup Club at everpupclub.com, where you'll get your first jar for just $8 with free shipping anywhere in the U.S. Go to everpupclub.com and use the discount code DPN. That is everpupclub.com. Everpup every day. If your dog has cancer, you need to get a copy of the best-selling animal health book, The Dog Cancer Survival Guide. Because no matter what you've heard, there are always steps that you can take to help your dog fight and maybe even beat cancer. At nearly 500 pages, this comprehensive guide is your complete reference for practical, evidence-based strategies that can optimize the life quality and longevity of your dog. It's written by two of the most respected names in dog cancer, full-spectrum veterinarian Damian Dressler and veterinary oncologist Susan Ettinger. With the Dog Cancer Survival Guide, you'll learn everything that you need to know about conventional treatments, surgery, chemotherapy, and radiation, including how to reduce their side effects. You'll also discover the most effective non-conventional options, including nutraceuticals and supplements and diet, as well as mind-body medicine. What I love most about this book, which I've used with my own dog, Kanga, when she was diagnosed with cancer, is how to analyze the options and develop a specific plan for your own dog based on your dog's type of cancer and your dog's age, your financial budget, as well as your personality. You can get the Dog Cancer Survival Guide wherever books are sold, but if you get it direct from the publisher, you will save 10% when you use the offer code, especially for listeners of this podcast. Just go to dogcancerbook.com, and when you check out, use the promo code PODCAST, and you will save 10%. The website again, dogcancerbook.com, and use the promo code PODCAST to save 10%. I want to let you know about an important newsletter. It's called Dog Cancer News. Now, with a name like that, it is not for everyone. But if your dog has cancer, you will want to subscribe. That's because every issue features articles that will be helpful, such as low-carb dog cancer diet recipes, new clinical trials, financial resources to help pay for cancer care, information on supplements, and lots of other helpful info that your veterinarian may not know or have the time to share with you. Also, when you subscribe to Dog Cancer News, you will get a weekly update on the topics covered on this podcast, along with links and resources. So how much does Dog Cancer News cost? Well, today, you can subscribe for free. It's our gift. For a limited time, you can get a full year's subscription for free. No strings attached. Just go to this website to sign up for the newsletter now, dogcancernews.com. It takes less than 10 seconds to subscribe, and it is totally free. Do it now at dogcancernews.com. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We are back with Dr. Stephanie Collar. Dr. Collar, so how do we get our dogs poop? If most of the people who are listening to this podcast have a dog with cancer, how do we get you to look at our dog's poop? And would that be helpful? Absolutely. We are looking for dog poop of at least 100 to 200 dogs from those with cancer. And so just check out poopforthecure.us. That's our main Wait, wait, the dot-com wasn't available? The dot-com was not available. I think somebody at Oracle has it. And, you know, if that person is listening, I'd like to buy it from you. Um, In fact, it'd be great if you could just give it to us. (laughs) Poopforthecure.us. Okay. U.S. Okay. So go to that website and and what are people going to find there? They're going to find out about the work that we're doing in humans, but also we're going to have a web page there to enter information about your dog with cancer. Okay. And is there any cost to submit your poop? No. In fact, we we will give you a gift card for your poop. We will ship out an easy-to-use poop kit. All you got to do is drop your little baggie uh, with your poop and ship it to us overnight, and um, our researchers then get to work with it. What kind of a gift card? Um, just, you know, important things, <laughs> a $20 gift card. Okay. Awesome. Okay. These are the important questions people are wondering. Yes, like, yes. what do I get for my dog's poop? Cause my dog can poop all day long. Yes. Okay. So what is the hope that when you receive 200 uh, samples of poop, I won't say bags of poop, when you receive 200 samples of poop sent to you delightfully by uh, overnight courier, what is your hope? What do you hope to get out of it and how might it help us? What we're hoping to see is the same kind of damage, maybe not to the same extent as we see in advanced stage cancer patients, um, human patients, but we're trying to see that there is damage, that these there's a sign of chronic inflammation that may have led to the cancer, for example. These are what we call biomarkers. We're trying to see if there's similar biomarkers to the human data set, and that actually would lend ourselves to be much more successful, that we can translate what we're doing in humans here to dogs. So it's a way of contributing to your database of science. It's not like you're going to say, ah, here's a pill to use, but this is going to increase the knowledge. Exactly. We're really at the frontier. We're really at the beginning of our knowledge base. Mm -hmm. There actually isn't many scientific publications on the dog microbiome. If there are, they're under like 20 dogs, for example. So Mm -hmm. this may be one of the largest public, you know, once we publish it, um, could be one of the largest data sets known. Awesome. And it's just as simple as requesting one of those kits and sending off your poop. Is there a particular type of cancer you're interested in? No, we're open to all comers, just dogs that have been diagnosed with cancer mm-hmm. and any information that the the pet parent has on it. And what is the ultimate goal of these studies? The ultimate goal really is a few things. One, we want to see if dogs, because they're now receiving same therapies as us humans in cancer, if, if dogs could be a great platform to evaluate our new therapeutics. And second, to come up with potentially, you know, first-in-class therapeutics for the microbiome for dogs. That just doesn't exist. So in the meantime, as a microbiome researcher, and I presume a dog lover, you have a dog? 
I don't. My, my parents do. We have a small okay. apartment, but I have a cat. Okay. But I, I, so, I did grow up with dogs. <laughs> so what, dogs. what would you suggest feeding your dog to help improve their natural microbiome? Because I don't think my dog's going to eat kimchi or sauerkraut. Exactly. I don't have a suggestion yet. And that's what we're hoping to get out of the data. Okay. Because diet is actually the first set of questions that we ask. We're mm-hmm. very much in trying to understand how kibble versus a raw food diet, for example, impacts the microbiome and potentially could cause inflammation and chronic issues. Mm-hmm. We know that a lot of dogs have GI problems. You know, everyone's experienced diarrhea mm-hmm. with their dog, for example, but also like skin issues, dermatitis, you know, and that itching can lead to pretty significant issues. We think that the microbiome is playing a role there because of the connection to the immune system. Mm-hmm. So we are trying to understand how does diet impact microbiome? How can we potentially improve diet? But also how do we then maybe modulate the microbiome by incorporating new strains of probiotics? That's actually kind of the the next wave of data and science that we're hoping to do here. And then that could lead to a non-therapeutic consumer product potentially. That's awesome. I know I had a a dog who recently passed away of cancer, but she really loved Greek yogurt. Like, so whenever there was Greek yogurt, she would beg. And so she got a little bit and uh, certainly wasn't doing any harm and uh, may have done some benefit. Well, that is fascinating. Dr. Culler, if folks want to get in touch with you, what is the best way? Just visit our website and we have some information on how to contact us there. Okay. Dr. Stephanie Culler, poopforthecure.us. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. Poop for the cure. I love it. And it's great to know that it's so easy for our dogs to all contribute to this body of research. Pretty interesting. I want to thank Dr. Culler for being on our show today. And I want to thank you most of all for tuning in and listening. We have an entire back catalog of shows that you may be interested in. Please check out our website at dogcanceranswers.com. And if you enjoyed this show, please tell a friend about it or your veterinarian or both your veterinarian and a friend. And maybe your vet is a friend. I want to thank you again for joining us today. And on behalf of all of us at Dog Podcast Network, I want to wish you and your dog a very warm aloha. Thank you for listening to Dog Cancer Answers. If you'd like to connect, please visit our website at dogcanceranswers.com or call our listener line at 808-868-3200. And here's a friendly reminder that you probably already know. This podcast is provided for informational and educational purposes only. It's not meant to take the place of the advice you receive from your dog's veterinarian. Only veterinarians who examine your dog can give you veterinary advice or diagnose your dog's medical condition. Your reliance on the information you hear on this podcast is solely at your own risk. If your dog has a specific health problem, contact your veterinarian. Also, please keep in mind that veterinary information can change rapidly. Therefore, some information may be out of date. Dog Cancer Answers is a presentation of Maui Media in association with Dog Podcast Network. 